Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Hey, we're going to be in four areas of Scripture tonight. Romans chapter 15, as we conclude tonight our Gospel Life series, we're going to be going into the book of Hebrews next week. And we're going to be talking about, uh, the book of Hebrews is basically about a group of Jews that were going to leave the church. And in our day, there are many young people, maybe even some family members, that are what we call deconstructing their faith or walking away from the church. And so we're going to go through the book of Hebrews to learn that Jesus, why would you leave Jesus? He's the greatest, greatest thing that this earth could ever have. And so um, we're going to be walking through the book of Hebrews. I'm excited about that chapter-by-chapter study as we conclude tonight, Gospel Life. The title of tonight's message is The Power of the Gospel. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15, John chapter 16, Acts chapter 10, and finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Once again, that's Romans 15, John 16, Acts 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer and prepare our hearts. Father, we are so grateful that you've given us your word and so thankful that you've given us especially this word. And I pray now that as we study your word that you would give us insight to the power of the gospel and the gospel of power. Lord, thank you for those, once again, that gather on a Thursday night. And I pray that you would satisfy their hunger for righteousness. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Romans chapter 15, we'll pick it up there in verse 18. Romans chapter 15 We will pick it up in verse 18. Paul says, For I will dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs, verse 19, and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Ilkrim, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was excited about telling the church what God was doing through him. And I can't wait for these guys to get back because Paul was on a lifelong mission trip to communicate the gospel to everyone and anyone that he came in contact with. And when these guys get back from Cuba, they're going to have stories about how their preaching and how their deed of building and how God did miraculous signs and wonders and it's going to inspire the faith and that's exactly what Paul is trying to do. You see, the Gentiles were coming to Christ because of the word that Paul was preaching and the life that he was choosing to lead. You see, when that team goes to Cuba, it won't be simply about building. The Cubans will be watching the way that they build so that as they watch them, they will then listen to them because they'll see something different about a group of guys getting along, loving one another in joy and laughter, then they will listen. You see, that's what Paul's doing. Paul was following the example of Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Take a look at the screen. The Bible says so it was. When Jesus had ended these things, after he finished the Sermon on the Mount, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let me tell you about the scribes. You better do what I'm telling you to do, but behind the door, they weren't doing it. 
But when the people saw the life of Jesus, Matthew wrote they were astonished because Jesus was living the life that he was preaching. He had a moral authority because he was in practice to what he was preaching. But Paul, Paul was also excited to tell the Romans all that the Spirit of God was doing in him with mighty signs and wonders. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip, but there's something about going on a mission trip because you're so dependent on God to show up that you come back with miracle stories. You come back with, look what God has done. You come back with, we didn't have our luggage. And then all of a sudden, the next plane, it showed up. We thought for sure that he cut his finger off, but we sewed it back on. I mean... We, we are praying that does not happen, Pastor Pat. OSHA rules, remember. OSHA rules. Or just pray over the finger and just attach it back on, and we'll have the story of God's great miracle. Let the church say, Amen. that's the power of the gospel. You see, the Spirit of God had truly empowered the Apostle Paul. He had many stories. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter was talking about the pouring out of the Spirit or the the opportunity for the baptism of the Spirit in your life. In Acts 2, 17, he quotes Scripture. He says, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. So during the time of the age of grace, during the time of the church, that I will pour out my Spirit, available for you and for me, on all flesh, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. If you're dreaming, you're officially old. If you've got vision, you're still young. Who's got vision? Amen. Who's dreaming? (laughs) Oh, I love you guys Thursday night. There is something about Paul's life that expresses the truth that he was filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 26, verse 19, when Paul was giving his testimony, he said this, Therefore, King Agrippa, standing in front of King Agrippa, he says, I was not obedient, disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I don't know if you know this about the Apostle Paul's life. According to Scripture, He had seven recorded visions of the Lord. You remember the first one. It's Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Jesus shows up. Hey, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? How long are you going to be kicking against the goats? I've been trying to get your attention a long time. You've not been listening to my people, so I've showed up to talk to you. A vision from the Lord. Paul looks at Jesus and he says, who are you, Lord? Immediately he's saved, Lord. What do you want me to do? He then says, it was a vision from the Lord. Then you remember Acts chapter 16. Paul was told of the Spirit, you're not allowed to go to Asia. You you can't go to Messiah. You can't go to Bithynia. And then he's got a vision of a Macedonian man saying, hey, Paul, come over here. He comes out of the vision. He goes straight to Philippi. And then he finds the man in a Philippine, a Philippine, not a Philippine. <laughs> we are having a Philippine mission trip. You might not want to go on that one. You could be in jail, okay? No, this was a Philippian jail, and he found the man in the vision. He just so happened to be the jailer. Paul had to go to jail to fulfill the vision. Let's pray over the Cuba mission trip right now. Then he has another vision, and there he is in Corinth. And the Bible says in Corinth, do not be afraid, Paul. Let me tell you why. The the Spirit of God had to tell Paul not to be afraid. He was afraid. And he said, don't be afraid. I got many people in this city, Paul. And he had a heavenly vision. 
And then in Acts chapter 22, Paul has another vision. He's communicating his testimony. And he says, and uh, I had a vision. And I was to get out of Jerusalem. So I obeyed that vision and I got out of Jerusalem. Another vision. Paul had another vision. And there he was in Acts chapter 23. And the Bible says he had a vision from the Lord. And the Lord said, you've ministered before me here. Now you must minister before me in Rome. I'm sending you to the capital of the world. That's not the only vision. Paul, there he is in a 14-day storm where there was no sun or moon to be found. And an angel shows up in a vision and says, God has heard your prayer. I'm going to save everyone on this ship. Another vision, proving he's filled with the Spirit. And then in 2 Corinthians, the Bible says that he was caught up into the third heavens. He's got a seventh vision from the Lord. Paul is truly filled with the Spirit. Of signs and wonders? Oh, Romans chapter 15, once again, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul truly proves that he was filled of the Spirit with mighty signs and wonders. I don't know if you know this. There are 10 recorded miracles of the Apostle Paul in uh, the Bible. 10 recorded miracles. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, the Bible says that he did many unusual kind of miracles. doesn't even tell us what kind of miracles. One of them was that Paul had a handkerchief. And anyone that touched the handkerchief, they were healed. Now listen, if you got a handkerchief, take it out right now because I got a little cold. No, this was something that the Spirit of God was doing with the Apostle Paul as he willed at that time. Do you remember the Apostle Paul was there ministering and this guy by the sorcerer by the name of Elimus, he was making fun of Paul. He was trying to stop Paul from ministering the gospel. And Paul says, you're going to be blind. And guess what? He was blind. Whoa, okay. Don't want to necessarily be around the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 14, another miracle. Paul performs signs and wonders. Acts chapter 16, Paul is delivered from jail miraculously. Acts chapter 19, he lays hands on people. They start speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 23, he goes through the storm. He's picking up wood. He's walking over to the fire. Now, I want you to notice, the very guys that wanted the Apostle Paul dead, he is picking up wood for them to make a fire to make them warm. My wife and I had date night last night. So you know what we did? I'll tell you. We went to Chipotle. We got a big old fat burrito. We went to my front porch. We sat in the front on that front porch, and I made a fire. I know. I've learned from Song of Solomon 2 on Sunday nights. And you're making that fire, and you're getting them warm. Paul has been, just been through a storm himself. Hasn't eaten in 14 days. And here he is. He's walking to the fire to put the wood in the fire, a snake comes out and bites him. And you know what Paul does? Get off me. That's it. And all the villagers are sitting there going, he's going to die. He's going to die. He doesn't die. He's a God. He's a God. Let me tell you something. Don't put any trust in the way that crowds think of you. They can change in a moment. They can change in a moment. That's why Jesus, he didn't put any faith in man. He only put faith in his father. Amen. Paul was a part of miracles. There was a crippled man that was healed in Acts 14. The father of Publius. If you remember, there on Cyprus, he was healed. Paul, he had an exorcism. There was a girl following him, mocking him. Here's the servant of God. Here's the servant of God. Paul turned around and said, come out of her. He's out. I mean, what a life the Apostle Paul was living. He even, I would love to try this on a Thursday night. Paul had a Thursday night Bible study, okay? Acts chapter 20, you can read all about it. He had a Thursday night Bible study. And if you think I teach long, he taught through the night 
to where this guy Eutychus was sitting in a window. Okay? And I see some of you doing this sometimes. And you begin to sway. And I know when the sway happens, it's going to happen. Sometimes I want to just come down the steps and go, hello. And there they are, and there he is. He's in the window, and he's got the sway going on. And then, uh, you know when sleep grabs you? Like, you can't, you're on an airplane, and it's like you just fall, and your neck feels like it's going to crack, right? This guy falls out the window and dies. And dies. Paul runs downstairs. CPR is not invented yet. And Paul lays hands on him, and he's healed. The dead guy comes to life. Now, this comes with a warning. If I teach long tonight, you fall over, hit your head, and die. I don't know if I have the gift of healing. (laughs) Paul was a part of a miraculous kind of life. And in each of these instances, whether it was a vision or whether it was a sign or a wonder, the Spirit was using the Apostle Paul to lead people to Christ. That's why he was giving signs. Let me tell you what a sign does. When you are driving down the 405 and it says Torrance Boulevard, or Torrance Boulevard is not on 405, on the 110, and it says Torrance Boulevard, and that's the exit you want to go off, the sign tells you this is the way to go. A sign pointed to the fact that Jesus is alive because one of his servants is acting just like him. And Paul confirmed it. Take a look at, back with me at Romans chapter 15. Paul confirmed that the Spirit was moving through him. Verse 19, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. He takes no credit for himself. Look at verse 20. And so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it's written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. Did you hear? Maybe you want to circle that. Maybe you want to underline that. Maybe you want to write it on an index card, put it on your fridge. I've made it my aim. Now remember, Paul's motivating the church. I've made it my aim to preach the gospel. Over 30 years of ministry, and this was his entire focus. And God confirmed that the power of his spirit was moving through him. You see, the point of him sharing was to motivate the church to make their lives about the gospel. So that this would become a memory verse in, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 1923, 2023. 2023, that we would memorize, let's make the gospel and to preach the gospel as, as who we are and that it defines us. This is why Paul expresses several times in Scripture to follow him as he follows Christ. Because why was Christ here? To seek and to save the lost. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. The Bible makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That wouldn't be the only time. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he would tell the Ephesian elders, he would say this, I've shown you in every way how to live. He would also say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, I urge you to imitate me. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, he would say, become like me. And then finally, listen, Philippians chapter 4, take a look at the screen. Philippians chapter 4, he would say this, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw, key, saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You're going to be at peace with God if you just live the life that I have lived. Make it your aim to preach the gospel. His desire is that we would follow his example and operate in the power of the gospel. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, 
I've been in Christ for about 25 years, and I've not seen one miracle, much less 10. I understand this. During the war in Liberia, we would go to refugee camps, and we would minister in refugee camps. And refugee camps were a deplorable place. Just imagine, like, living in a five-by-five apartment, five-feet-by-five-feet apartment, okay? And you and your entire family live in a five-by-five little space that was built by the U.N., you're fed by the UN, food that you wouldn't eat. And people were dying, diseases. It was hundreds of people fleeing the war. They were living in these refugee camps. And I'll never forget, we were, went to one, and we went to minister at one. And this family came up to me and said, you're a missionary. I'm like, yeah. Come pray for my daughter. Come pray for my wife. So I followed the husband and the father over to where the wife was, and there she was. She was nine months pregnant. She was so malnourished and so emaciated, I could see the figure of the baby in her stomach. Please pray that God will heal her. Um, I don't know if God does that. I didn't say that out loud. That's what was happening in my heart. I mean, I'm Chet. I'm just Chet Lowe. I'm not the Apostle Paul. Like, we need the, you need to call on the Apostle Paul right now. No, you're here. So I, I got down on my knees, and I laid my hands on her, and I began to pray for her. Now, out of my mouth was, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would heal her. In my mind was, oh, God, when she dies, please don't let this family kill me. That's how I was praying. In my mind, I was in a completely different place than what was coming out of my mouth. And I left. Three weeks later, we went back to that refugee camp. And the family interrupted our outreach and charged at me. And I thought to myself, this is where I die. She's died, the baby's died, and the family is blaming me, and they're, they're coming after me to get me. Father grabs me, husband grabs me, and they're pulling me through the crowd. And I'm like this, pulling me through the crowd. And all of a sudden, like the Red Sea, it, like people part. And there's this woman and her baby, totally healthy three weeks later. I got on my knees that night. God, I'm sorry. Like, I thought I wasn't the Apostle Paul, but it was your spirit in Paul, and it's your spirit in me, and your spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I know you might be saying, I know Paul's had seven visions, but I haven't had one. Young kid, going on my first mission trip. I'm in New Jersey. My flight gets canceled. I have to stay in New Jersey for a week. So I stay with this guy. And he was very wealthy. He, lives in the, he lived in the mountains of New Jersey. So it wasn't like I was hurting, okay? This was the only place I could stay, all right? So he lives in the mountain of New Jersey that looks at New York City. So it was a four-tier level apartment. The first floor was a gym. The second floor, he was a hunter. He had every animal you could hunt stuffed in the second floor. I mean, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, okay? Like, and they were in their ah, forms, okay? It's like, do not go on the second floor, okay? It's like, okay, this guy's got problems. But then the third floor was the kitchen and the living room. The fourth floor were like, the bed was like, whoa, okay, this place, <laughs> I'm not going to Africa. I'm staying here, you know? I can really sense that God wants me to minister in New Jersey, Okay? <laughs> I went, okay, I want you guys to know. And I'm sitting in bed one night, and I realized in the hustle and bustle of getting ready for this trip, I'd not taken the time to pray. So I got down on my knees. I'm a young guy, not married. I'm on my first trip. 
I'm a young guy, and I'm, I'm down on my knees, and I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to Liberia because I think you told me to go, but I don't know if I know why I'm going. And all of a sudden, the room lit up. I, I get that whole thing happened, even telling the story. The whole room lit up. It lit up so much that I, I felt like I couldn't look. So I put my head down like this, and I lifted up my hand like this, and I felt him grab my hand. And all of a sudden, I knew what I was called to do, to preach about the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. I had a vision. I never had one before. I never had that kind of experience before. But now as this young guy, I sought the Lord, and now I've had a vision. You see, let me explain something. You may not have experienced a miracle. You may not have experienced a vision. But your experience may reveal your need for the power of the gospel. Now let me tell you who the power of the gospel is. I'm going to introduce you. He's a really good friend of mine. His name is the Holy Spirit. And it's his job to convict the world, not your job. Your job is to simply do whatever he asks you to do. I'm going to prove it to you. Turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we're going to talk about my friend. John 16, take a look at verse 7. Nevertheless, Jesus is speaking. It's red letters in my Bible. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, now look how he introduces my friend. If I don't go away, the helper. Zach and I work out on Friday mornings. And we talk about ministry and we have our connection on Friday mornings and we just work out. Well, sometimes we'll bench. Zach is much stronger than me. And I'll put like a plate on and I'll be like, and he puts like six plates on. Like this thing, right? Okay. And it's not six. That's a little exaggeration. But it feels like that when you have to take his plates off to put my plates not back on. It's embarrassing in the gym. Trust me. And when I'm on my last set and I'm pushing up that bench, you know where he's at? Right behind me. So that when I can't push that bar up, he will put his hands on that bar and help me. He's a helper. You see, when we can't, the Spirit puts his hand on the bar. I can. I want you to give it everything you've got. Give it everything. I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because when I'm pushing that bar up with everything I've got, let me tell you what my body's doing. I'm like shaking, fearing and trembling. I don't want this thing to drop on me. I am giving it everything I've got. And what the Spirit is saying through the Apostle Paul, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, is not work for your salvation. Give your salvation everything you've got. And when you can't, the helper can. It's just who he is. It's just what he does. He's the helper. Now take a look. Going on about my friend, the helper. He'll come. Excuse me. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Did you hear the promise? I will send him to you. The Apostle Paul proves that the Holy Spirit was sent. And when he has come, he will, he, not you, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I've still got many things to say to you, but you can't take it now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, look what how else he introduces my friend. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he he hears, he'll speak, and he'll tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take up what is mine and declare it to you. Did you read his job description? His job is to convict the world, not you. 
His job is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, the Bible says, look if you would at verse 9, of sin because they don't believe in me. The greatest sin that you can commit is to reject Jesus your whole life. And what the Spirit is doing is going to every human being, and he is convicting them that Jesus' death on the cross is true and is real. That's what he does. It's his job to convict of righteousness because I go to my Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm going to die, be buried, I'm going to rise again and go be with the Father. My work, the Spirit, is going to use the cross to draw all people to myself. That's what he's going to do. If I'll be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. The Spirit is going to do that. But the Spirit is also going to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Let me tell you something, devil. You don't own the keys to death anymore. Jesus snatched them from you. So we as the church can't believe that he still has got the keys. We can't believe that that person and the way that they're living their life is going to just go to hell because (laughs) they'll never change. The first church would have said that about the Apostle Paul. In fact, Ananias did. You want me to go where? To him? Are you kidding me? Do you know why he came here? Do you know what he's coming to Damascus to do? The Spirit's job is to convict the world. And the Spirit can do what he wants, when he wants, and who he wants to do it with. You know why? He's God. Take a look at the screen. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, every one of you. Every one of you, the Spirit of God has been given to you. The manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each one of you for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now let me explain through the profit of all. I believe I've got the gift of teaching. Can you imagine if I just taught to a mirror? Well, good morning, Chet. How are you? Open your Bible to Romans chapter 15. Well, sure I will. No, no, no. These gifts have not been given for your personal benefit. The gifts have been given for everyone else in the body and everyone else in the world for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit, I think he's getting the point across, works all of these things, take a look, distributing to each one individually As he wills, not as you, as he wills. There are many gifts, and the Spirit gets to determine who he wants to use, how he wants to use them, when he wants to use them, and what he will use them for in order to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit sets us up for success. He does the convicting work, so he goes before us and he starts tilling the soil in someone's heart. And then he empowers us to seal the deal. He'll direct us. I'll never forget. My mom's sitting right here. She can confirm it. One night, midnight, I wake up. Spirit of God tells me, I was working on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Go to your tower. Someone is there waiting for you. So I did. When I got to my tower at 1230, there was a kid that was waiting there. I started sharing the gospel. You know what he said to me? He said, yeah, you Christians, you come down to the beach, you tell us about Jesus all the time, and you leave us hungry. He goes, I'm hungry, and I got no place to sleep. Your Jesus means nothing to me. I'm hungry. So I said, good. You're going home with me. Amen. So as we're walking in my car, he picks up three of his friends. I got three kids in my car, 19, 18, 19 years old. I'm driving them to my parents' house now at 1.32 in the morning. I'm thinking, dear God, my parents are not going to let these kids spend the night at the house. There's no way. 
These are hoodlums, okay? There is no way that they're going to let the kids spend the night at the house. I walk in. I'm terrified. I bring the three kids in. My mom comes out. Here we go. She looks at them and she goes, are you hungry? She goes to the fridge. This was when microwaves were first coming out, so it was like super cool. She goes to the fridge, takes the spaghetti out, heats it up, serves them, and goes back to bed. First of all, I'm so proud of my mother right now. (laughs) Secondly, I'm shocked that this is what's going on. She leaves. They are so overwhelmed by what my mother does, they now listen to me and said, well, listen, we'll listen to what she's got to say. What does she say about the gospel? Well, I've told you the gospel. Well, since she's fed us, we'll receive Jesus. Let me tell you something. The gospel, the Spirit wants to use you when he wants to use you, how he wants to use you, and he'll empower you so you're not on your own. Let me tell you, the Spirit of God is the one who saves, not us. We just got to be a part of the process. He is the power of the gospel. Let the church say amen. And here's what Paul's asking us to do. Paul's asking us to follow his example and letting the Holy Spirit fill you to flow through you as the Spirit wants to use you. It's not that the Spirit will do the same signs and wonders he did through the Apostle Paul. It's as he wills. He wants to create your story, not Chet's story. He wants you to trust him to empower you. Ask him for a vision. Ask him for the power. And watch how God will use you to minister. And when he ministers, don't resist him. No matter what he asks you to do. Ananias did. Ananias I need you to go to the street called Straight, Acts chapter 9. I need you to go to the street called Straight. There's a guy by the name Saul. I want you to go lay hands on him. He's waiting for you. (laughs) I can't go. I can't do it. I cannot do it. God, you know what that guy's going to do? He'll put me in jail. I've got some Jewish friends in Jerusalem that told me about this guy. I'm not going there. You know what Jesus said? Go. That was it. And I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went but he was a reluctant goer. Don't resist him. I have. Her name was Anna Nicole Smith. You remember her? She was the harlot of CNN. Do you remember her? She moved a mile away from me in Nassau, Bahamas. And the Spirit of God said to me, go minister to her. Lord, (laughs) I mean, the last thing I want is my picture and Anna Nicole Smith. I mean, it's like, (laughs) I married. It's like, that's the last thing you want from me. Go. So I prayed about it. I sought the Lord. Go. Go to visit my uncle. He had a car dealership on the island, and I went to go visit him, and he was sitting in his office shocked. I sat down. I go, what's up? There it was, CNN. Anna Nicole Smith overdosed and died. I sunk in the chair. I began to weep. Because God had told me to go. Sitting in the office, by the grace of God, was a woman, the Hamian woman. She was weeping as well. She pulled out a little Bible from her purse, and she said, I was on my way. I was about to give this Bible to Anna. She was her maid. And she was ministering to Anna. And she found out that Anna was the daughter of a pastor. 
and that she had walked away from the Lord. And this woman was God's agent in Anna's home, giving her the gospel each and every day. Now, you may see the whore of CNN, but I pray I see the thief on the cross and that she will be in heaven, that she gave her life to Jesus. I know what it is to resist the Spirit. And is it possible that we're not experiencing dreams and visions and miracles because we're resisting him? Peter understands that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. I want to show you the story. And we're actually going to read the story instead of me explaining it because the Bible does such a better job of telling stories than Chet does. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Would you go there with me? Acts chapter 10. This is the way the Spirit works. This is the power of the gospel, all right? Let's take a look. It's Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea, all right? It's story time with Chet. Here we go. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Okay, he was, if I was telling this story to kids, I would go, he's a Gentile. And all the kids would go, ugh. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? Take a look. So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. God has taken notice of you. And whenever I see anyone in the world, and I say, this is what I say to them, all I want you to do is ask God, is he real? When I leave, just ask God if he's real. Because the Bible says, Jesus made a promise, seek, you will find. So I said, when I walk away, I know you don't believe in God, ask him. This is what Cornelius is doing. And let me tell you what the Spirit is doing. He's tilling the soil of Cornelius' heart. What believers around Cornelius? He's a Gentile. Who's going to go? The church is all Jewish at this point. But the Spirit is moving. He's tilling the soil of Cornelius' heart. Can I tell you, your neighbor's heart is being tilled. Can I tell you, that mean, ornery person at work, the Spirit's working. You may not see it, but the Spirit's working according to Acts chapter 10. No one would have thought the Spirit of God was moving in Cornelius' life. Take a look. So he said to him, as a memorial before God, God has taken notice of you. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with a Simon, a tanner. Okay? A tanner is where dead things are, and Jewish people should not be where dead things are. Note that for future. He will tell you what you must do. Okay, I've underlined that in my Bible. You've got a good guy who's doing good things and giving generously, and he's very kind, and he seeks God. And the God shows up and says, you're still missing something. You're good, but you're not saved. I'm going to send someone to show you how to get there. Good people don't make it to heaven. Saved people Make it to heaven. So the Bible goes on and says, And when the angel spoke to him, had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent him to Joppa. He sends a soldier. You know why he's smart? He's going to a Jewish guy's house. So he's going to try to encourage the Jew to come and be with the Gentile with a soldier. Now, the next day, take a look at the Spirit. This is us now. We're the church. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter, the hard-headed disciple... Oops, excuse me, I, I added that. <laughs> Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Oh, God, how would you have me minister? Let's just add that for a moment, okay? Then he became very hungry, and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He's got a vision, so we know he's filled with the Spirit. And saw heaven open in an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners. 
descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals, like bacon and, and pork and cheeseburgers and pizza, pepperoni pizza, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to rise, Peter, kill and eat it. Get that pig. Have some lechon. I, by the way, I love lechon now. I just want you guys to know that. I just had it at a wedding. It's better than chicharrones. <laughs> Peter said, not so, Lord. <laughs> not me. I'm a good guy. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. The voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself, that blows my mind. I've underlined that. That to me is like, hello, Peter. How can God get three times pigs in a blanket came down, and you can't get the point? (laughs) Sound like some of us? Sound like some of us? I I heard yes on this side. (laughs) Sound like some of us? I took the camera down over there, and I didn't hear anything from you guys. Where am I? Thank you. While Peter worshipped within himself, what this vision was, which he had seen, meant, excuse me, which he had seen meant, behold, like surprise, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, he's got a vision, filled with the Spirit. Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. The Spirit had to tell him, Don't doubt. You know why? Peter was doubting. For I have sent them. Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, and I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear from words from you. Then he invited them and lodged them in. On the next day, Peter went away with them. And some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Peter says, I'm not going by myself. You guys are coming with me. The following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. And he called together his relatives and close friends. He's got a tent revival going on, waiting for Peter to show up. Take a look. Look how the Spirit is moving. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am just a man. He talked with him, and he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to him, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. That is not the way to start a tent revival. Basically, Peter shows up to a hundred people in a room. You guys know I'm not supposed to be here. It's obvious Peter's got an issue with these people. But God, he said, has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Chet, when I tell you to go to Anna Nicole Smith, listen to me. I don't care who you think they are. I love her. And I sent my son to die for her. And don't you tell me you're afraid. Because I'm sending you. Do you hear that, church? Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Um, You forgot to mention Jesus had to tell you three times with the blanket. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? Listen to his hesitation. He knows why he's there. God's told him. So why am I here? So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting, and he gives the story. Go down with me to verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Peter gives this full-on long message. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. No sinner's prayer. No come forward. 
The Spirit knows what's going on in someone's heart. We can't judge the heart. Only the Spirit of God can. And I want you to see what's happening in the story. God had, the Spirit had tilled the heart of Cornelius. God had prepared the heart of Peter. And now there is this God collision where Peter is sent to Cornelius' house. And even though he's resistant, the Spirit of God falls on the people because the Spirit knows that they believe. Church. This is the Spirit. The Spirit is the power of the gospel. But I need to close with this point. We are telling about the gospel of power. You see, the power of the gospel is the Spirit, but what we're talking about is the gospel of power. You know the Scripture. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 15. You know it. It'll be on the screen. Romans chapter 1, so as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I'm coming to the capital of the world, and I'm not afraid. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall have eternal life, live by faith. He's speaking to the most powerful place in the world. And he's saying the gospel has more power than Rome. Now, when he says to the Jew first, he's just speaking about chronology. He's just simply saying the gospel went first to the Jew, and now it's coming to the Gentiles. But the gospel is the power of God. I want to prove it to you. Go with me to 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, it's our last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The gospel is the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Take a look at what Paul says. This is what he says to the church of Corinth. And I, brethren, when I came to you, didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear, much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me tell you what Paul's saying. He's basically saying the gospel doesn't need any help. The words themselves are powerful. It doesn't need fancy words. It doesn't need eloquent speech. It alone is the power of God. And so many people say, well, I'm not a gifted evangelist. The gospel says, who cares? Because the power is in the word of the gospel, not your word. The power is in the word of the gospel. Paul believed that the gospel stand alone. I determined, I made a decision not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I made a decision that the gospel stands alone. He made a decision. That he wasn't going to make the gospel culturally acceptable because it already is. He wasn't going to make the gospel relatable because it already is. He wasn't going to make the gospel clear in his day because the gospel does not struggle with clarity. We are born into sin, we need a Savior. Christ Jesus came into the world to seek and to save those who are lost. He died on the cross to pay the price of our sin and rose again on the third day. And we can be saved if we truly believe and receive this truth and receive Jesus Christ in our, our hearts. You might go, it needs lights. It needs a guitar. It needs some like, whoo. I mean, come on, those are just words. Let me tell you about words. Words are powerful. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Say that to the little nursery school-age girl that comes home weeping because her friends were making fun of her in the sandbox. Words 
are powerful. They are powerful in a negative sense, and they are powerful in a positive sense. I called my aunt today. All I did was call her. All I did was call her. She's in the hospital. And when I called her, she was in despair. And then I spoke to her. That's all I did. I spoke to her. And then I prayed for her. And I started a conversation with words, and she was in despair. I left the conversation, and she was no longer in despair. She had hope. It's the power of word. And this is God's word. The gospel itself is power. The gospel itself changes lives. And Paul says, I didn't come with any display except the power of the Spirit. And let me tell you what the display of the power of the Holy Spirit is. On Sunday morning, when I say, Jesus Christ died for you, and we get to watch a miracle of someone come forward because the Spirit was at work. And then we see someone else come forward because the Spirit is at work. And then we see someone else coming forward and the Spirit's at work. And marriages get saved because the Spirit is at work. Prodigals come home because the Spirit is at work. And let me tell you, just like he is with Cornelius, he is tilling the hearts of the people around you and the Spirit wants to use you. So what are we struggling with when Jesus says, go and preach the gospel? Amen. 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 Do you know what I think is one of the greatest wonders in the world? That he uses me. That's a miracle. I can't believe it. And someone asked me, why have you taught eight weeks on the gospel? friend of mine told me a story. You've heard me say it before. Pastor got hired at a church. He taught the same sermon four weeks in a row. Finally, the elders met with him. We got a problem. Do you not know any other sermon? You know what the pastor told the elders? When you start doing the first sermon, I'll move to the second. Do you know what I love about you? This Sunday, I got introduced to someone who sits here on Thursday night, was so convicted about sharing the gospel, they led their workmate to the Lord. And she came up to me and she goes, in tears. I just can't believe it. Like I didn't, I didn't know, but I knew. And now I just love this church. I hate a church. And I love these people. And their people are passing by. I like her. I like her. I don't even know her. And she's just going on and on about how her life has changed. That's what I love about you. And the reason I've taken this long for us to understand the gospel is because I know you care that much to see everyone around you get saved. Amen? Would you stand with me? No worship team. Prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little weird. It's me. You're used to it. Would you get a little closer? And would you put your hand on the person next to you? This is scary. I don't know that person. Don't worry, we're the church. And what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on each other. And we're going to ask for the power of the Spirit of God. Because if God could change the world with 500 people that witnessed the resurrection, what couldn't he do with the people in this room? And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. 
And I'm asking because all you say to do is to ask. You've not made this difficult. And by faith, we as Calvary Chapel South Bay tonight, we ask you, fill us with your spirit. Just ask him right now. Fill me with your spirit. And we're asking you, Lord, with the several hundred people in this room, that you would give us L.A. We're asking you, Lord, that every, in every crack and every crevice, no matter who, no matter when, that you would use us for your glory. We are asking, Spirit of God, fill us with power. Fill us with boldness. Your boldness, not ours. Fill us with courage. Fill us with strength. Fill us with understanding. And God, open our eyes to see and to smell the death around us and let us breathe life into it. Let us breathe life. And though the alarm of hell may ring in our lives, give us the strength to stand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.